Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Welcome everyone to episode 205 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic. All-Star weekend is over and we are going to look ahead to the final couple months of the regular season and the top storylines to keep an eye on. Before we get underway, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Well, Brian, as you can tell, I'm pretty sick, but even so, I'm doing very well because I did not go out and proclaim that I could hang with WNBA players, so <laughs> I'm doing well. See, I was going to make a Tristan Thompson joke here, but that's so much better. we got to keep the sub-pods alive. Right. I mean, because obviously, <laughs> right. I can't. You're, you're telling me you're not physically superior to some of the best female athletes on the planet once you're in high I school? Am, I am most certainly <laughs> telling you that, yes. <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm floored, really. <laughs> Ugh. Well, that's all the airtime we're going to give that nonsense. But we, we want to talk today. Really, you know, the, the All-Star break is over. we got two months or so for the rest of the regular season before the playoffs. So this is a good time to kind of cleanse our palate, look ahead and see like what the big storylines are that we should keep an eye on over these past or final 25 or so games. And naturally, because it's a podcast in the year 2019, we have to start with another episode of As the Brow Turns because there were <laughs> there were two developments during All-Star weekend that were interesting. Let's start with the Davis-specific one. He he gives a press conference uh, during All-Star Weekend where he's surprisingly open about his trade request. At some point, someone asks him about the reported list of teams. You know, they, it, was, it was like the Clippers and the Knicks and the Lakers and the Bucks, apparently. Um, and someone asks him about, about Boston. And he's like, no, Boston's on my list, too. All 29 teams are on my or all 29 other teams are on my list. So, naturally, Celtics Twitter is having a field day with this. Lakers Twitter is freaking out because, you know, the Celtics have been gearing up for Anthony Davis for a while. And this seemingly gives them the green light to say, okay, now now we'll offer whatever you want, Pelicans. Like, let's, let's make a deal come July 1st when the Rose Rule no longer applies. Kyrie is either a free agent or he resigns with us. We can acquire Anthony Davis. Here, here's what I want to talk about, because when that news broke, I noticed people on Twitter saying like, "Oh, who cares? Like the Celtics, it's not gonna matter. Like the the Celtics will be fine, but they're not gonna be overwhelming championship favorites. Like other teams in the East, Milwaukee, Philly, they'll be fine." I don't think that's true. I think if 
if the Celtics get Anthony Davis and if the Knicks get Kevin Durant or if like Kevin Durant goes wherever that isn't Golden State, I think the Celtics enter next season as the overwhelming title favorites. Do you agree? Well, before I answer that, did it did did it start thundering on your end? Just it sh- as it sure did, yeah, yeah, right as r- around the time you introduced as the brow turns, yeah, <laughs> perfect you timing. Have scripted it better. Also, as I have to praise the Boston Celtics, which makes me you think your throat is sore. I've got bile coming up right now. <laughs> I, that was just perfect theatricality. I love it. <laughs> um, well, I, so you actually used the word there. I kind of disagree with, but I agree with the overall point. You said overwhelmingly. Mm -hmm. I I think that might be a stretch. Because even if Golden State, you know, lose Durant, let's assume for a second they hang on to Clay. Yeah. They would still have the Curry-Clay duo that is just, you know, have unlimited scoring potential, unlimited chemistry advantages because those two guys just love each other. And there's the Draymond Green factor. You know, he's declined a little bit this year, but he's not bad. He's still a very productive NBA player on both ends of the floor. Mm -hmm. Well, not scoring-wise, but in terms of passing, Passing, at least initiating the offense. So uh, there's there's an argument argument to be made that there is legit um, competition surrounding the title, as well as the internal development of the Denver Nuggets and what they're going to do this summer considering they're probably not going to hang on to Paul Millsap. So you could potentially see some sort of replacement at the four that could mm-hmm. be significant. But but I agree with the overall point that we shouldn't underestimate just how good the Celtics would be with Anthony Davis. Like, if people are disregarding the Celtics with Anthony Davis, like, what? Right. I mean, that, it, it would hinge entirely on what kind of package they give up. If it's Jason Tatum... You know, Gordon Hayward or Al Horford to match salaries mm-hmm. and a couple of picks, you know, that's fine. They, they'll definitely be one of the top teams in, in, in the East and, and certainly in the league as well. But if they give up the damn farm, like everything, and it's basically down to Kyrie and AD mm-hmm. and, you know, fill out pieces, then I think it's a fair thing to ask, like, then what's the ceiling of that team? Is there a ceiling? And if so, what is it? Yeah. I mean, it, it does come down to what New Orleans wants in return, but I think the thing that makes Boston especially interesting from New Orleans' perspective is Boston can offer literally whatever New Orleans wants. Like, you have Tatum, who is right. the the biggest blue-chip prospect on the market, assuming, you know, we don't know where Zion's going to end up. Like, if he goes in the Knicks, that adds another element to this equation. But removing Zion from the equation for a minute... And Ben Simmons, the Sixers aren't going to move him unless he pulls a Rich Paul power play this summer, which we'll see there. So, but like Tatum is a much better prospect than anyone on the Lakers. So that's Agreed. the guy. I mean, that he is the centerpiece of this deal, or he should be. We'll see if Danny Ainge is actually willing to offer him this summer. But ben, you know, I'm so glad you actually said that. You know, yeah. in terms of the centerpiece, because can we just for a second? Like, like, just talk about, really, that's what you need to go for. I get the whole Lakers package thing in terms of quantity. Like, mm-hmm. you've got a lot of solid pieces offered there, plus draft picks. But you just do not have that blue chip. I think that was right. a very good way of putting it. Like, that's why you want to make this deal. You want to prefer a blue chipper compared to a bunch of guys who may not be difference makers. Right. We saw what the Lakers prospects together can do. They are a 35-win team. They're not... Right. 
That's not how you want to start a rebuild. You need a face of the franchise caliber player, which I believe Tatum can be. I mean, Dan Favela of Bleacher Report had a really good column about Tatum, I believe, last week, where you know he's talking about like, look, Tatum hasn't taken the leap in year two because really, like, the Celtics have too many mouths to feed, and as long as he stays in Boston, he's never he's likely not going to be that like 25 points per game guy. If he's playing next to Kyrie, if Gordon Hayward runs back into form, if they get Anthony Davis and don't have to give him up, like he's just playing with too much talent. If he goes to a new Orleans, he could easily be a 25 points per game kind of guy as early as next season, I would think. So like he is, he is in theory, the centerpiece. So then you can look ahead and say, if I'm new Orleans, if I was running New Orleans, I would only want young guys, picks. I, I wouldn't care about veterans. But if New Orleans want, it goes the route that San Antonio did with Kawhi and say, I want you know, a high upside young guy like Jakob Perto, but I also want an all-star caliber player, then Boston say, could say, okay, take your pick. Hayward or uh, Horford. Right. I, I think Horford's the interesting one because he has a player option for this summer. And if he starts to get rumblings of, you know, I'm going to be included in this Anthony Davis deal, and he doesn't want to be in the Anthony Davis deal, he has to make the player option decision before the Anthony Davis deal could become legal. So, like, basically, I don't think the Celtics can include him in the offer just because of that uncertainty. Right. Because, like, the the deal needs, if you're the Celtics, the deal has to be done before the draft because that's a huge part of your appeal. You could have as many as four first-round picks this year. You're gonna. New Orleans is gonna want to make those picks. They, you know, you're not gonna have to make those picks for New Orleans and then say like, "Well, I hope these are the guys you wanted." Like, the deal needs to be done in principle by the deadline, so New Orleans can pick the prospects they want, and then you make the deal official after July first. So are they going to fire their GM, or their upcoming GM, after the Heat makes those picks? <laughs> we'll because, see. Because yeah. yeah, because but, that was just weird to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we can go into that too. Like, I, I, I get the, I get the surprise about the timing. I guess like why the Friday of All Star Weekend, but it makes sense to me ultimately. Like, you don't, if you're the Pelicans, you've you've decided you don't want Dell Demps making this decision. Why not bring in someone new? a couple months ahead of time so they can get acclimated with the organization, get acclimated with the trade offers. Like don't do what the Lakers did. Was it, was it last year where they brought magic in like a week before the trade deadline or was that two Um, years ago? I think two years ago. Yeah. Well, like don't do that. That's your, your, whoever takes this job is going to have to make a franchise defining trade. You should give that person as much runway as possible to do so. Like you, right. you don't you don't want to fire them in May. But then why have him on the payroll during the trade deadline where they were actively looking for, you know, gathering intel and offers on Anthony Davis? Like you put him in a position where he could have traded Davis. Why why keep him around during that whole time? Like if you don't want him dealing uh, Davis, or if you don't want him being the one who trades Anthony Davis because you don't trust he can get a proper return, mm-hmm. then why not fire him earlier? Was it to avoid all the drama? No, I don't think they were ever trading Davis at the deadline. 
I think it was. I mean, I I think part of it is Davis's trade request came in ten days before the day, deadline, so there wasn't much time, regardless, mm. to to find to fire him and find someone new by the deadline if you were serious about trading him. But they like it. It was obvious they knew Boston has the best offer is can't do anything till the summer. So right. I think Windhorse theory of you know part of this may have been motivated by revenge where you kind of screw with the Lakers and like attempt to sabotage their chemistry by getting them to offer the farm. And then all of these young kids realize like, Oh crap, we're expendable. Like (laughs) this this team doesn't care about us. I I think that was part of it. And maybe since Demps is just so well established has been there for, I believe nine years, you can just have him running, running point there, getting the offers just so they can, you can have a baseline, but I don't think they were ever serious about, actually trading him and even if Demps came to an agreement with someone uh the owner Gail Benson would have had to sign off and I I just don't think she had any intention in doing so so basically they just had a dummy GM over the course of the trade deadline I think so yeah well I mean that would explain it but that's kind of cruel though to some extent like if you're gonna fire the man you don't want in charge of it like because obviously if he's there during business hours doing like working the phones and putting a lot of work in trying to make the you know find a proper package and then mm-hmm. you know a couple of days later after the deadline well you're out right i mean I, I i think it could have been handled better i don't disagree that it was necessary to move on mm-hmm. i i honestly don't think that general managers unless they're supremely gifted and have you know a, a very strong track record should be in that position for so many years unless they've done some something extraordinary, mm-hmm. like you know it, it's it's just such a long time, right? And he he like I I've been complimentary about the job he's done about getting Randall and, and Nico before he was traded here again and all that yeah. But at the but at the end of the day, you know they had a lot of talent they just didn't fit with Davis like they just didn't complete that objective right right exactly like you you can definitely fault him for not building a an enticing enough roster to make davis want to stay the the one thing i thought was weird was the reports that came out you know davis like suffers this shoulder injury thursday and leaves the game early i think it was woju reported this like that was what really pissed off gail benson like that was the last straw the like the bad optics of him leaving early and like if that's really true that is kind of strange because i mean you you could fault him for the job he did with building the roster i think that's a fair criticism of his tenure Mm -hmm. but like (laughs) what control did he have over rich paul making anthony davis leave early like what's he gonna do how is he gonna stop that from happening it's just right i i don't know i mean i i still think new orleans is in a fine position this summer i've seen you know lakers fans are now saying like well if they don't get a package as good as what the lakers offered at the trade deadline they screwed up it's like i don't know if that's true like the the process was right here regardless of what they end up getting because you you just need Boston to enter that bidding war. Now, right. like dealing with Danny Ainge is no picnic, and it's gonna take serious teeth pulling to get him to offer Jason Tatum. I mean, there's already been reports that like he's everything is on the table, but no one has come out and definitively said he has offered Jason Tatum yet, which suggests that he has not offered Jason Tatum definitively, 
and he's going to you're going to have to coerce him into doing so but like that's that's the first call they should make july 1st or i mean not even july 1st but right you know in may and june <laughs> like before the draft they should they should do everything they can to get a deal in place with boston and frankly boston should be doing the same like i i mm-hmm. get you know i heard bill simmons the other day on his podcast was saying like Man, I just want to cheer for Jason Tatum for like 15 years. I just want to gr- watch him grow up like Paul Pierce, and I get it because Tatum like does have some serious upside. But right. this is Anthony F. and Davis we're talking about. Like this is the guy you sell the farm for. Players of his caliber don't become available in trades ever. Like this is mm-hmm. what you were. You've been hoarding assets for years, Celtics. Like you have. To push the chips in at some point this is the guy to do it for yeah yeah like what's the alternative right like who do you find out there in the open market that is like a legitimate candidate as being better and available in trades right. unless like things go completely south in milwaukee and then a year from now we have the same drama with Giannis. but i don't but see that's that the, happening the one guy right like that's yeah. the one guy Right, and I don't see like you. You're not. Ha- you don't have cap space to sign KD or Kawhi this summer. Right. LeBron's locked in long term in LA or longish term, and he frankly is like getting up there in miles and age and mm-hmm. you know, and Harden is locked in. Yeah. Paul George is locked in. Like I and all those guys. Like you could even make an argument. Davis is better. So right. I, I agree with you entirely. Like I, I don't know what this is. This whole. Well, maybe we should keep Tatum. It seems <laughs> right. very emotional to me. Right, exactly, exactly. Which it, I get, like, I mean, it's fair. Like like Bill apparently said, you know, I want to see, you know, the Paul Pierce career. And I get that Celtics fans are very emotional because they have a, such a strong history. And a lot right. of that is just riddled with emotion. I get that. Yeah. But it's Anthony Davis. Obviously, you, you do it. I mean, and, and it's, a, it's a pretty easy conversation if I'm in New Orleans this yeah. summer. Like, yeah. if... if if Jason Tatum is not included, I'm like, hey, okay, I'm not going to do that deal. So right. bye, Danny yeah. Ainge. I'm going to find someone else. Exactly. Uh, oh, you're not including Jason Tatum? F off. Call me back when yeah. you do. Exactly. I mean, and, and this is where it's so essential to get a GM in who can actually talk back. Yeah. Yeah. I think. And not be afraid of the, of this whole thing. I'm just saying Sam Hankey is available, Pelicans. I was I was thinking that too. <laughs> I was actually thinking that too because you know what? Here's the thing. I get that you kind of want to rebuild after moving Anthony Davis. But at the same time, you know, they actually do have some assets that they can, you know, they can move and do some things. Like Sam Hankey wouldn't come into a, a team that's so empty on assets like Philly used to be. Oh, my God. Yeah, he, he, it would be such a better situation than what he inherited in Philly. He had nothing. He came in after the Andrew Bynum trade depleted them of everything. Exactly. Yeah. So this would be like us finally getting a chance to see what Sam Hinkie could do outside of a complete teardown slash rebuild. Right. Which I think would be extremely interesting. You've touched on this at least a few times over the years. Yeah. You know, basically... You were you were very excited to see what Sam Hinkie could do once Joel Embiid really returned and showed you know how great he was and the draft pick started playing mm-hmm. and, and and like you know obviously Philly right now has a very impressive starting unit but it, I mean it, is it my imagination it could have been even better possibly under Hinkie like if if nothing else he yeah he would have done there there. Are, Mismanagement around the the fringes over the past couple of years is what will limit their ceiling, and I think 
that's where he would have done a much better job than Brian Colangelo, who was also on the market, Pelicans. Brian Colangelo and his five burner <laughs> accounts could be yours for the low price of nothing. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's, it's a weird situation. I think overall, you know, Davis will get moved, but I, I, yeah. I could totally see him, like, going to the Clippers, for example, instead. Like, if yeah. Boston is, like, waffling a little on Tatum and the Clippers are right there going, hey, you know what? They're over the trade deadline and... and you know, we just we made out like bandits. We have a treasure trove of draft picks. Yep. We have Landry Shamit. We have Shai Gilgis, Alexander, Jerome Robinson, who's come on. Like, we have a very cheap Matresla Harrell. Like, we have a lot of pieces. Yeah. And you know what? We've been dying for a superstar. So here you go, Pelicans. Like, let's top that Jason Tatum offer. Right. Yeah. And, and plus, could... I would love to see LeBron, like, just look into the wind. <laughs> And go, well, I got him to Los Angeles, just not <laughs> right. the Lakers. Right. Wrong team. Wrong team. All right. Well, let's let's turn away from Anthony Davis because we will have plenty more on him uh, in oh, yeah. the weeks and months the whole to come. summer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but let's focus on the playoff race because I think there are actually some interesting storylines happening at the bottom of the, each conference, which is weird. Usually we don't really care about Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Who's going to be the eight seed because it's, you're just going to run up against a monster in the West at Golden State. And then this year in the East, you're going to run against a monster in Milwaukee. But let's start in the West because right now the Clippers are the eight seed. The Kings are only a game back of them. And then the Lakers are three games behind the Clippers right now for that final right. spot in the West. LeBron James has not missed the playoffs since his second season in the NBA. He is, they're in real danger of missing the playoffs right now. Yeah. I, I mean, that's fascinating. I, I, that's frankly probably the biggest storyline to watch in the final two months of the year is, is LeBron James healthy? Because, you know, there was a report, I think, from Sam Amick of The Athletic that came out that said privately the Lakers are a little bit... Oh, no, I think it was Joe Varden, actually, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, where they said the, the Lakers are privately a little bit concerned that he hasn't fully healed from that groin injury he suffered against the Warriors on Christmas Day. Because mm-hmm. there, there was that moment against the Hawks right before the All-Star break where LeBron has the ball, he has a mismatch, I think it was matched up against Trey Young, like, at the top of the key. And, like, normally that's a time where he either just backs him down and destroys him or, you know, just drives to the basket, draws a foul. But instead he kind of, like, passively kicked out to Brandon Ingram. And it was just like, Ugh. The optics <laughs> of that did not look good. You know, it doesn't suggest, like, he's fully healthy or he has confidence in his body or, like, 
at that point, maybe he's just like, all right, I really want to film Space Jam 2 in mid-April. I don't want to wait till June. So the the Lakers especially are a really interesting team to monitor. But also the Kings, like, who in their right mind expected the Sacramento Kings at the All-Star break to be above 500? Yeah, no one. No one. I mean, I think they're the biggest surprise team in the league, really. Yeah. I mean, just, just, just off of... You know, this it's such a cocktail of bad expectations. You know, you have right. Vivek Ranadive, who usually have these weird-ass ideas. Yeah. You have Vladi, and it didn't start off well because they just, like, passed on Doncic instead right. of getting Marvin Bagley. And then, you know, you kind of thought when they put, you know, put the offer sheet in for Zach Levine, you're like, oh, no, what are you <laughs> right. doing? Right. Like, what are you doing? Right. And it, everything just seemed like it was just meant to be such a very, very poor season. Yeah. And then it clicked. Somehow it clicked. And and now they're 30 and 27 in in the Western Conference, by the right. way. Right. Uh looking competent. I think a lot of it just comes down to the backcourt of De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald. Yeah. They really seem to have great chemistry. And, you know, they have so much so many bigs up front, but it doesn't seem like they have one clear number one guy. Like mm-hmm. Willie Cauley Stein might be the closest, but there is just a, a, a lack of, you know, selfishness up front because it's just such a deep rotation. Right. But in terms of the guards, you know, there's like the the the, the steadiness of Fox and Heal. Like there there are no guys coming off the the bench like, like threatening their starting positions. Mm-hmm. And I give I think that gives them a lot of security in their position as well. So yeah. none of those guys are looking back going, oh, I took a bad shot. Am I going to the bench? Oh, they're wheeling and dealing doing whatever they want and it it's working yeah i mean healed i don't think like i think pascal siakam has most approved player locked up right but healed like what he's doing this year like i know he you know he's 26 already so like he's already in his prime this is like it's not like he has an innumerable ceiling to reach after this right. but he, he's shooting Nearly 45% from three on 7.6 attempts per game. Like, his scoring went up from 13.5 last year to 20.5 this year. Like, the jump he's made, to your point, and the jump De'Aaron Fox has made, like, suddenly the Kings have a backcourt of the future that they could realistically envision. Like, this is my... I mean, again, Heald's a little bit older. Like, De'Aaron Fox could be their starting point guard for the next 10 years. Like, that's... Oh, yeah. 15. I, yeah, like, I, I think that's the hope. And then healed at least for the f- next, like, half decade. Like, it should yep. be a Fox healed backcourt, and that gives you a nice foundation to build around. Then the Kings also bring in Harrison Barnes at the deadline. He's only played three games, not shooting all that efficiently, but, you know, give him time. I think he just needs to get, like, it's just tough to get thrown into a rotation midseason. Right. Uh, he could be more efficient coming out of the All-Star break. Uh, Bagley, to his credit, I mean, he's always going to have that, that like, a little bit of yearning from Kings fans. We're like, oh, we could have taken Luka instead of him. But to yeah. his credit, he has started really coming on as of late. I mean, over the past, let's see, it's 16 games now. He's averaging mm-hmm. almost 15 points, 8 rebounds, shooting almost 50% from, th- uh, from the floor. Yeah. Still, still not a super high volume three point shooter, but it's in his bag, and we'll like I think we'll see more of that in the years to come. I mean, 
that's did you a, just make in the back for Bagley joke. <laughs> yeah, sure did. All right, all but right. like that's a really solid. You know, a, I don't want to call them a big three because you need to, but like round out your talent more and b- right. do something. But like that's a good young core to build around. Yeah, uh, Fox healed Bagley, and then yeah, you got Barnes. Bogdan Bogdanovich has played well. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't think we could discount the Kings as a legitimate playoff threat. And I say that knowing coming out of the All Star break, they're at Golden State, at Oklahoma City, at Minnesota, and against Milwaukee. Like that, th- that could be a very humbling four game trip. Oh, they could beat Minnesota though. Yeah, they. I, I think they frankly have to, or otherwise, yeah, their playoff hopes take a big hit. But. Right. I mean, they you know they barely it was one twenty one eighteen at Denver right before the break. Like, they're this is a legit team. I this is not the Kings of old. So I'm it's, I'm really it's excited. Not. I'm excited to see what happens here. And, and just to round out your thoughts on on Backley as well here, mm-hmm. you know, it's I think we need to put this into perspective. I don't think anyone ever said you know he would be a bad player it was oh, no. entirely compared to what was available on the draft board yeah like yeah. i would still i would still have taken you know not just Doncic, but aiden wendell carter trey young jaron jackson jr over backley mm-hmm. at least you yeah. know i mean so so that's and that's that's just the the the, the way we compare these guys it's not an indictment on on Backley's you know lack of play or whatever. Like he's been fine, right. and and still being you know a a legitimate top ten, you know, worthy of a top ten selection in any draft, is is perfectly acceptable and very fine. I mean that's he's going to be you know potentially a twenty ten player who's going to be able to shoot the three. He's going to get to the line. He's probably going to be Chris Boss light mm-hmm. in terms of like the the statistical output. Not, yeah. Probably not defensively, but like in, in offensive uh, production and rebounding and all that. And that is perfectly fine. Like, that's not a bad player by any stretch. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of the alternatives that were on the board. That's entirely it. And you're right. Down the line, it's going to be unfair to keep hanging that thing over him. Right. Right. It sucks. I mean, the same thing is true with Trey Young. Like, it's always going to be we could have had Luka, right. but we traded for Trey Young and whoever. And they a get different Marvin. Yeah, right. True. Like Marvin Williams back in two thousand five. Like yeah, Chris Paul was right. right there, and the Hawks even needed a point guard. Yeah, like everything just kind of yeah went sideways from there. And Marvin Williams, what he's now what into his fourteenth NBA season, and you know on telecasts he's like that 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 non pick was is still referenced once in a while. Right. Marvin Marvin Backley here drafted second overall in two thousand and five. You know, Chris Paul was available at that draft. <laughs> right. Hawks decided right. to like that's going to hang over him forever. So yeah. maybe we should take a page out of that book and, and be a little nicer to Backley. Yeah, or he could just be super dominant next to Heald and Fox, so that we could forget all about it. This is true. So Marvin Backley, your your role is pretty clear: become better than Luka Doncic. <laughs> right. Godspeed, friend. <laughs> uh, all right, let's flip to the East now because I think there's, you know, really the West like. The whole six through whatever is up for grabs because the Jazz are 
The Jazz and the Spurs are tied. They're only a game ahead of the Clippers. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-sized prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 7 29 to 811 select styles excludes in-store clearance get to old navy for the biggest sale of the year up to 60 percent off all back to school styles for kids and baby get flip-flops for two bucks graphic tees for four bucks shorts for six dollars and jeans for eight dollars right now get the best kids styles at kid size prices just two four six and eight dollars can't wait to wear it buy online and pick up in-store free today up to 60 percent off all kids and baby styles now at old navy and oldnavy.com valid 729 to 811 select styles excludes in-store clearance like whatever happens whoever gets the eight is a sacrificial lamb for the warriors the east i think is interesting because right now the nets have a two-game lead they're six they have a two-game lead on the hornets who are seventh the hornets are a half game ahead of both the pistons and the heat and then the magic are only a half game behind them so there's only one game separating seven from ten right now and you think Okay, well, Brooklyn's got a two-game lead over Charlotte. They should be safe. Brooklyn has a brutal rest-of-season schedule. According to Tankathon, they're the third hardest, trailing only Charlotte and Oklahoma City. So <laughs> Brooklyn and Charlotte are 6-7 and seven right now, but they could really come crashing back to earth just based on you know their remaining opponents. Like Brooklyn, I think, yeah, where is it? It's like the middle of March onward. Here is their sketch. Here they have a seven-game road trip, starting March thirteenth. This is Brooklyn, at OKC, at Utah, at Clippers. The second night of a back-to-back, at Sacramento, at Lakers, at Portland, at Philly. Then four home games right after: Boston, Milwaukee, Toronto, and then at Milwaukee. Oh no! Yeah. So like, I mean, they have a somewhat winnable stretch coming out of the break it's portland charlotte spurs washington <clears throat> charlotte miami dallas cleveland atlanta detroit oh they but need... they could drop a few of those easily. right but they need to win pretty much all of those i think they need yeah. to go at least like i don't know how many games that is i think 10 they probably need to go seven and three in that stretch and the and the troublesome part there is the Clippers game because that's the second of a back to back. Yeah, I guess that's probably the most winnable. But because it's a back to back, right? <laughs> the odds just don't look great. Right. Oh no. Oh. Yeah. Oh no. Nets. <laughs> I know. I know. So like I'm I'm terrified of the Nets in general. Like if we could, we'll talk about the top four seeds of the East a little bit. But like. That's the one team, if I'm a top four seed, I would not want to see in the first round. But I don't know if they're going to get the opportunity to play a three seed because they might fall down to the seven or the eight, or they might even fall out. Because, you know, the Heat, Goran Dragic is reportedly due back soon. So that's going to give them some firepower they've been badly missing. Uh, Dion Waiters recently returned, which... I don't know if it's a plus or a minus, but he he has been contributing at least as a scorer, and he hasn't been all that inefficient. The Magic, who we have dumped on for years now, 
Rightfully so, might I add. Because they, they made just a bunch of really dumb, like, win-now moves when they weren't yeah. in that position. But Oh, are you saying you didn't love the Serge Ibaka trade? <laughs> Which one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> either way, no. It was dumb either way. Um, but the Magic, they had a brutal January. So they, <clears throat> they start with a win against the Bulls, and then they dropped 11 of 14. They were 20 and 31 like a week before the trade deadline, and we're thinking, okay, now it's time to sell off. Terrence Ross is going to be a free agent. Vucevic is going to be a free agent. Like, right. sell these guys off. Let's, you know, th- there's no point in keeping these guys. You're not going to make the playoffs. Then they win seven of eight, and now they're right back in this thing, which speaks to the the caliber of the East outside of the top five teams. But, like, you know, they, they are a legitimate they're in the race. They're a game out. They're a half game out right now. They're a game out of seventh right, right now. And like, I don't know what to make of Orlando, really. Because when you look outside of Vooch, who's been, you know, an all-star, obviously. Right. And they, when you go over that team, and also outside of Terrence Ross, who's had, like, a reemergence or resurgence yes. in, in his career. Yep. Like, who's played fantastic? Like, you've seen Jonathan Isaac, you know, kind of get it going, but yep. he's not you know, that consistent presence yet. Aaron Gordon has, like, kind of just chucked along but not done anything of significance. Like, mm-hmm. 15.8 points a game, seven and seven, not even 7.5, 7.3 rebounds. Like, he's just kind of been around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 48, under 15 a game, under 34 from downtown. G.J. Augustine, like, you know, he's done what he could, but he's still, like, a undersized 41-year-old point guard who's <laughs> not going to be a difference maker. Right. I mean, and, and Mo Bamba has been underwhelming because he's still learning the NBA game. Like, yeah. I, I'm not even sure how they won those games outside of Vooch. I, Isaac was the guy I was going to shine a spotlight on, and I, I'm writing about him for Friday, or I'm writing about the Magic right. in general, but mostly about him uh, for an article on the Basketball Writers Friday, so check that out in a couple days. But over his past eight games, over the, that 7-1 and one stretch for the Magic... He had 14.5 points on 47.2% shooting, 7.1 rebounds, 2.6 blocks, Mm -hmm. and 1.6 threes in only 28.9 minutes. Like, this is the most... Yeah, this is the most consistent stretch of his career. It it, it seems like he's just starting to put it together. Yeah. Small sample size, though. That's that's my point. I mean, he, he has been better. And if he's going to become that elite shot blocker, that's going to help them so much. Yeah, because then you move Gordon in the in the off season, preferably to Denver, mm-hmm. because I would love that. <laughs> yep, and then you actually start Mo Bamba and Jonathan Isaac, you know, in the long term, and you just become a SWAT, you know, a, a swatting machine. Right. Yeah, that could be interesting. Cause, so Bamba's been out for the last couple weeks i think or at least the past couple games with that stress injury we don't know when he's coming back but part of me wonders if that helped like i think it's maybe not a coincidence that his absence coincided with this hot stretch from isaac like maybe just clearing up that front court log jam a little bit gives isaac some more breathing room right I don't know. I mean, I could be totally wrong here, but... No, I, th- I think you're right on. I mean, look, it's just one less body. And besides, the power forward slash center position in the NBA 
has become so interchangeable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just having the one center out, meaning you can kind of play Vooch at the at the five, as well as giving Gordon minutes at the five. Maybe, you know, Isaac, uh, unless I was, I was mistaking, I, I saw a clip from one of the games where he actually played the, the five. So, you know, and he's got the length, length right. and size. So, you know, why not? I, I don't know what they're going to do with this front court. I just know it's about time they move Gordon. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's the the question for the summer is especially like, do you resign Vooch knowing you have Bamba? They are apparently dangling Bamba at the trade deadline, so maybe they're out on him, which seems like a mistake to give up on a guy that early. No, but, they just wanted to be win now, though. Yeah, exactly, and I'm glad that they they didn't actually move him. Um, oh, there's time. Yeah, there's I know. time. They're oh, I they're know. resigning Vooch, and then they could trade him in the summer. Yeah, you know, not not Vooch. Bamba. Right. Right. Or they could re-sign Vooch and then trade him later too. Like it, I, I'm yeah. still, I, I'm, I'm scared about their long-term future just because they've had such a half decade of mismanagement. But to their credit, this is a new front office, so I don't want to hold the crimes of uh, their old front office against the new guys. Um, the Magic do have the third easiest schedule moving forward, according to Tankathon. Like I. It wouldn't totally shock me if they make the playoffs, which is wild. Yeah. Did not I mean did not expect to say that two weeks ago. Is that a good thing though? <sighs> For them, maybe just because they've been lusting after it so hard and like I don't know. Probably not. You're right. Because <laughs> they probably overpay all these guys and get locked into a That's mediocre. That's my ceiling. point exactly. Yeah. 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 Hello, Terrence Ross. Welcome back on a four-year, $55 million deal. Oh, that seems like a discount. <laughs> I would be shocked if they got him at that price. Well, here's the thing, though. He's only proven himself to be this efficient for one year. Yeah, I know. I know. But again, it's the, the, I, supply and demand, the supply and demand of this summer. I think every team is I, just I wouldn't go. go that far with him, though. I yeah. wouldn't go that far with him. Here's the thing, though. <clears throat> if they want to clear the cap up a little bit... So let's let's move ahead with my my whole Denver idea with Aaron Gordon, right? Uh-huh. So it all hinges on Paul Millsap, obviously. Right. Because he's got a there's a team option on 30 and a half million for Millsap coming into 2019 here. Yeah. The thing is his his uh yeah, it's a it's it's a team option so the trigger date has to be what? Probably right before June 30th or right. probably even a little earlier maybe. All right, meaning so that they what they need to send out is not the 30 and a half, it's the 29.7. Yeah. So they have to trade him before July 1st. Right. And that means that's the current Aaron Gordon salary that they're going to take back, which is 21 and a half million. Now that actually helps them because Gordon's contract is descending in value. So if it, if it, they had been forced to make a, de- a deal past July 1st, it would have been Paul Millsap 30 plus million for Aaron Gordon on 19 million instead. So they actually come closer in terms of matching trade contracts mm. before July 1st. Now, the draft is an obvious time to make something happen. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll need to throw something else in if you're Denver, obviously. Also, because, you know, Gordon does project to be a long term fit. Millsap is what, 34, I want to say? 33, 34, uh, yeah, something along those there. lines. Yeah, yeah. All right. So here's here's my idea. So Trey Lyles, right? He's still young. 
And mm-hmm. I get, oh, wait a second. He's a, he's a free agent. Yeah, he is a free agent. Oh, I thought he was in his third year. Okay. No, so where no. do you go? Do you go Juan Hernan Gomez instead? You don't do Michael Porter, right? No, no, no. That's I'm, I'm not there yet. Yeah. I'm not ready to give him up. So what do you do? Hernan Gomez? And a pick? I guess so, yeah. What's the fair value? Because you're giving Orlando immediate cap relief. Immediate. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to double check just to make sure you're allowed to trade a player after, before you, like, when they have an option on their contract and before you exercise that option. Is that why they most, uh, most uh, you can trade them when it's a uh, non guaranteed? Like, the non guaranteed offers more flexibility. Right, because then you can just wave them afterward. But yeah, I'm not 100% sure if you're allowed to trade them. So basically, if that's true and the team option is like in hindrance, that means that Denver should have actually traded Millsap at the trade deadline. Right, but that sends a very bad message. It does, so you obviously can't. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not not 100% sure either way, but... Why did we not have this conversation with Deke was on? <laughs> yeah, right. I right. I would guess, just based on the way the NBA works in general with this kind of stuff, that you can't trade him. But I could be wrong. Well, we'll we'll definitely need to check in on that. Yeah, yeah. Either All way, right, because the, because that ruins my entire plan. Then I know, I know it does. Well, I mean, either way, you could figure out some workable deal, maybe. But then I ask you. If that's the case, like we were, you were talking about just 20 minutes ago about the Western Conference mm-hmm. and like who do you see as someone who could uh, challenge the Celtics if they got Anthony Davis. And we mentioned, you know, if, if Golden State lost Durant to the Knicks, who mm-hmm. could step into their place? And, and I mentioned Denver. But if they can't upgrade significantly mm-hmm. from after they, they get off of Paul Millsap's contract. Yeah. And if they're just locked in financially. Well, maybe the play is trading Gary Harris for Aaron Gordon. If you're not confident that Gary Harris can stay healthy and you think Malik Beasley is playing well in his absence and Monta Morris can come off the bench as a combo guard or your backup point guard, like you can have a backcourt of Jamal Murray, Malik Beasley, and Monta Morris. I think that could work because Gordon is very much defensive inclined. Mm-hmm. Like he's a strong defender, right? Uh, I would I would hate giving up that much defense on the perimeter, but like you just said, if Harris is consistently injured, like you won't benefit from having a guy on the bench instead. So, right. right, right, yeah. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, it's it's a it's a, at least a wrinkle one could explore. But oh my god, that Mason Plumley contract! Right? People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders. Encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance.
Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clothes. No? Yeah, I know. It's rough. Uh, okay, let's turn to the tank race. Because I think oh. we, yeah. normally we would put Orlando in there, but now they're actually good. So, unfortunately, well, there's 20 games left. They could yeah, lose the next true. 20. That's true. That's true. Well, right now it looks like I think the Hawks are basically locked into the number five spot. I mean, maybe Memphis yeah. backslides or the Wizards backslide, but... Or the Hawks just win a lot of games. But tentatively, I would pencil them in at number five right now. The Bulls, since Otto Porter Jr. came over, are actually playing something resembling real basketball. So I I feel like they're almost too good to catch up with the Cavs, the Knicks, or the Suns. Yes. So that means, I mean, look, this is where the new lottery odds help a team like Chicago or, or Atlanta. Because the top three teams are all going to have a 14% chance of landing the number one pick and a 52.1% chance of landing top four. The Hawks at five are 10.5% for a number one pick and 42.1% for a top four. That's not a huge slide. It's not nearly as drastic as it used to be. And Chicago, if they stay at number four, is 12.5% for number one. Uh, 48.1% for a top four pick. Like it's only four percentage points difference for a top four pick between them and one of the top three teams. Now their floor is lower, which is, I mean, that's, that's the part of the draft lottery that even people criticizing like the Sixers and Hinky back to those days, like they were playing for the floor as much as they were the ceiling. <clears throat> right. Like that's, that's the whole point. It's not that you give yourself a 25% chance of the number one pick back then or now a 14% chance if you're Phoenix but the team with the worst record can fall no lower than five and by all accounts this is at best like a four or five player draft you've got the three Duke kids you have John Morant you know there I guess there's Jarrett Culver I guess is in the same kind of tier of like a Cam Reddish I I probably would put him in there okay So, but then, like after that, it's just a crapshoot, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I think Ricky O'Donnell um, from from SB Nation said it best. There is Sion who is on his own tier in his right. own level, mm-hmm. and then there's like a whole second tier with no names in it because you don't really, you're not really sure there is like a second tier. Yeah, and then everything else is kind of scrambled in the third tier, mm-hmm. which, like, basically, what he's trying to say is that. The difference in talent from Sion to every, anyone else is just so significant right. that it is <laughs> like Sion or bust. Yeah, if you want to, you know, rewamp your fr- franchise. Right. So yeah, um, the person in my personal opinion is John Morant uh, is is like the second guy. Mm-hmm. I would take Morant at at the at the two spot. In, I mean, I think he's pretty solid in that spot. Mm-hmm. Could be wrong. He is very slight. He's one hundred and seventy five pounds. So. Like he's Iverson, uh, you know Iverson weight, but in a taller body because <laughs> right. he's six three, right? Which means he's very very thin. 
So he needs to come in and immediately put on weight, yeah. which is just always such a, a hard time for especially young players. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be like a project, whereas yeah. Sion immediately is going oh, to hit yeah. the he's going to hit the floor running. <laughs> right, right. But it's funny though because when you think about like RJ Barrett, he was like really looked at as the true number one coming into the season mm-hmm. because like there was a lot of question marks surrounding Sion. Could he do more than dunk? Could he do this and this and that? Turns out, yeah, he can. He can do pretty much everything. <laughs> right. Um, but Barrett has just struggled in terms of shooting the ball. Like, mm-hmm. efficiency is just down. His raw stats are beautiful. Like, 23 points a game, 7.5 boards, 4 assists. Like, just the raw numbers alone makes you look at this guy and go, well, he's definitely not falling out of the top 5 or the top 3. Like, if Barrett is not you know chosen in, in that area, something's wrong. But those shooting percentages at least makes you wonder, like, what's his ceiling? Yeah. How how long would it take for him to, you know, be an impactful score on the NBA level? Right. And then you have, you know, you talked about the three Duke boys. You know, Cam Reddish is the big enigma. Yeah. For for this, he should just have the nickname the Riddler immediately based on <laughs> you don't know jack about him coming in. Right. What you do know is that his shot looks beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. Like mm-hmm. it should from a theoretical standpoint, translate very, very efficiently because it's so effortless, it's so clean, and it's the same shot every single time. Like, his his muscle memory is off the charts when it comes to shooting the basketball. So you have to assume at some point when he gets to the league, he'll just be a knockdown shooter. And he's got a tremendous steal rate. He, he averages two steals a game. He's really playing the passing lanes. The thing is... He's not the type of guy who takes over. Like, he's not one of those guys who will come in and just go, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm going to rail off 11 straight points in the final mm-hmm. quarter just to, like, bring us home. So you have to wonder, what type of role is he in the NBA? Is he just a complimentary piece? And if so, do you take him in the top three or five mm-hmm. if, he, if that's his ceiling? Because obviously his level of talent is significant. He can handle the ball. He can play sort of a Jimmy Butler game in terms of playing pick and roll with big men and having great size while doing it. Mm-hmm. But if he's not going to do it on high volume, if he's not ready to be that player, or if he's just not wired to be that player, like where where do you where do you slot him? Like what is he? Like right. how 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 big balls do you have <laughs> in terms of taking him high? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, I mean, I think it's going to be really interesting in perspective of the tank race, uh, like, look, every team in that top five could use Zion. Like, every team could use the Zion where even if... 30 teams could use Zion. Right. Or even if, like, you have your... Like, Philly's the one team where if, like, Sacramento slips and they somehow win the number one pick, that's the one team that I could see, like, maybe at least taking offers on Zion because I just don't know how he would fit with whatever the Sixers are doing. But... You know, assuming one of these top teams like Phoenix, New York, Cleveland, Chicago, Atlanta, like all of those teams figure it out. Chicago is probably the one team in there that it's like, well, I you have marketed and and uh, Wendell Carter Jr. I don't know, like I don't know if oh, no, Zion no. fits as yeah, a no. three full time, but also I don't think you sacrifice Zion for like marketing's been great in the last couple weeks, but I don't know that you sacrifice Zion for either of those guys. Yeah, you don't. You take him and you figure it out. You definitely do not play him at the three. Like, I was looking at Zion a lot recently, and I, I just reached this conclusion that he's 
you know, he, he's a power forward slash small ball center. Like, yeah. a lot of teams or a lot of fans and whatever could be thinking about putting him at the three because, oh, he's 6'7", and right. he doesn't have the longest wingspan. Don't even no. don't even consider it. Like, yeah. don't Jabari Parker him. <laughs> right. If anything, I wouldn't even have a problem playing him full-time at center. Yeah, I wouldn't. 285 pounds. He outweighs most centers these days. And he jumps so yeah. damn much. Yeah. Like, I, I'm I'm just not there on putting him in that small forward. So no. what you do is, if you're the Bulls specifically, you draft him, and here's what you do. You play a three-man lineup where you basically have three guys who rotate the power forward center positions. Yeah. Because if you do that, then that allows for 32 minutes a game for each guy. Right. Right, right, right. And you know what? I can make that work if I'm like if I dedicate myself to to having a three man you know big big rotation of Markinen, Sion, and Wendell Carter. Mm-hmm. I can make thirty two minutes a piece work. <laughs> can Jim Boylan? Oh, the post ups. <laughs> oh, the post ups. I just I have to assume it's not Boylan next year though. Right. I mean, I I know that every Chicago Bulls beat writer right now is talking about you know how the Bulls are basically preparing everyone for Boylan coming back next year. Yeah. I just, I cannot imagine that happening. If it does, you know, I'll have a 24-minute rant about <laughs> right. it. Right, exactly. Well, I mean, I, I think just in general, like the positional fits, like John Morant seems like the perfect prospect for Chicago. Like, yes, if you're looking for the top five, I think that's the dream if you're a yep. Bulls somehow land in that spot. New York and Cleveland are in the, the spot where they're, like, New York now has Dennis Smith Jr., so they probably don't take John Morant just because also they're trying to get Kyrie or Kemba. Like, I don't think they're going to want another point guard prospect plus their free agent targets plus well, Dennis they, Smith. They should because here's the thing. Dennis Smith, he should be a two. Mm. Ah, that's fair. But even still, if you're going after one of these star free agent point oh, guards. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, I, no, no. I think they probably take a small forward, but it'll be it's going to be fascinating to see how the tank race plays out compared to, you know, how the this top of the big board looks like, which teams fit positionally with these right. prospects, and you know, again, it's like tanking this time is more about the floor than the ceiling. Like the ceiling is much right. less high. So, like, at Phoenix, New York, and Cleveland, they I think they're going to get far enough ahead of the pack that they'll all have the 14% chance of getting the number one pick. It's just which one outtanks the other the most out of the yeah. stretch is going to be like perversely fun to watch. So back in the day, or back in the, like just last year, that's back in the day apparently, <laughs> um, you could you could drop three spots. That was the furthest you could drop. If you yeah. had the league's worst record, you were absolutely guaranteed the fourth pick. Yep. Like that was the... And that that's that plays in line with what you said. Like you you wouldn't necessarily shoot for number one. Mm-hmm. You would just shoot for guaranteeing yourself a top four pick. Right. Because you got it if you yeah. had the league's worst record. Okay. Yeah. So now the worst team currently, Phoenix, can theoretically get the fifth pick. That is the lowest they can go. Right. Right. So basically, all teams, if I'm not mistaken, can drop four picks. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That that is a huge like change as well when you yeah. really look at it. So if you have a team like the Hawks currently slotted at fifth, dropping down four slots. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I get it, 
But <laughs> how hard would that be for the NBA to swallow? Because that's a team that's actually trying right now. That's a team that's actually trying to win games and actively trying to, like, you know, make chemistry a thing, on-court chemistry. Like, they're moving, they're frisky. Yeah. Like, they're doing a lot of active things to win ball games. Right. Like, just imagine if they get absolutely screwed in this lottery because yeah. of that change as well. Because that's going to warrant a lot of debate as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be... Because this is the first time we'll see these new odds. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out in reality and if a team does get totally screwed. Like, the odds of someone falling four spots are pretty low. But of course. But it could happen. This is from a theoretical standpoint, yeah. obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah. What, the draft lottery is going to be especially fun this year. I think we we've talked about the MVP race already, and we'll we'll continue to talk about it at nauseum over the next two months. So we don't need to go too far in depth there. But this Giannis, Harden, Paul George. It's the flashback sale at Mattress Firm. We're celebrating the year we were founded with a special price from 1986. A flashback price of $169 on a new Sleepy's Queen mattress. Plus, get up to $400 off throwback deals on beds. And Wednesday through Sunday, take home a free adjustable base with a purchase of just $599. But hurry in, these awesome blasts from the past savings won't last forever. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply, valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com sale. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Death duel or the duel if there's two people or three people. I don't know whether. Let's just call it a Mexican standoff. There we go. Good. Yeah. This Mexican standoff with those three uh, is going to be fascinating. But I think that the other big storyline I'm keeping an eye on is in the East again. Now it's the top four seeds because right Mm. now Indiana is the third seed. Even without right. Oladipo, they're a game ahead of both Boston and Philly, who are tied for the uh, fourth-best record. Now, Indiana, according to Tankathon, has the eighth-hardest record or eighth-hardest schedule uh, over the le- rest of the season. Boston has the sixth-hardest. Philly has the ninth-easiest. Philly also has a lot more work to do to incorporate. You know, Indiana and Boston didn't make any major moves at the trade deadline whereas philly blew up half of their rotation so (laughs) philly's got a lot like brett brown has a much harder job over the next two months than brad stevens or nate mcmillan who are just like continue doing what you're doing but but you know they they do have the luxury of a much easier schedule to work out those kinks indiana we talked about you know brooklyn having that brutal stretch in march here's indiana Starting again, right around the same time. Uh, Oklahoma City on March 14th. Two game, two days later, they start a four-game road trip. At Denver, at Portland, at Clippers, at Warriors. Come home for one game against Denver. Then at OKC, at Boston. Oof. Yeah. That's where I think they start to fall a little bit. But yeah. if they somehow hang on to that three seed... That means Boston Philly in the first round. Boston, so so yeah, I think 
Philly is the better team, but specifically against Boston, I think they will lose. Yeah. Because Boston just matches up so well. Yeah. Hor- against Philly. Horford's the one guy that MB just yeah. cannot crack. Yeah. It's he just it, I think Horford just frustrates Embiid to no end and goads him into taking a bunch of threes he shouldn't. And like Embiid finally in the fourth quarter that other, you know, in the game before the All-Star break, he was finally just like F it. I'm not taking threes. I'm just going to bully you. And he, you know, he finally went off, but yeah, there's there is definitely something mental there with Philly and Boston where you know the the Celtics guys just feel like they have the Sixers number, and I know like mm. it's a totally new rotation. It shouldn't matter, but until they prove it, you know it, it seems like that's a thing. And I think the worst possible outcome would be Philly at the four and Boston at the five, because then Philly starts with home court advantage, and if they drop one of those two games at home, like, oh yeah, it's over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think Philly needs to do everything it can to get to that three spot. And right. again, like the Nets scare me. I think it, again, if I'm looking at a first rounds, assuming Indiana falls to five, if I'm right. looking at a first round opponent that worries me the most, with all due respect to Indiana, who has played well, it's Brooklyn. Yeah, I'm much because Brooklyn just has so many. Like I think if you're looking for a first round matchup, you want to reduce the variance of like all of the stupid ways you can lose. You know, like I think about last year with the Philly Miami series in the first round, and like the thing that worried me about Miami is that you have a bunch of guys that could just like get hot for one game, and then like lo and behold, I think it was game two where Dwayne Wade just like goes off, and I think Kevin Hart was talking trash to him a lot of the time, which didn't help. And then, you know, Kevin Hart had Ben Simmons on that like cold as balls pod or like TV episode whatever oh yeah within in the the cold tops yeah yeah and, and ben simmons like called him out he's like yo you were talking so much trash to dwayne dwayne and he hit a big shot in my face i was like man kevin just shut up and sit down and enjoy the game i was so pissed at you <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean so like if i'm looking at variants here brooklyn just has so many guys that can get irrationally hot for one game you have a D'Angelo yeah. Russell. You have three-point shooting champion Joe Harris, who did me proud. Nicely called. Thank you. Uh, but, you know, he's shooting, what, like 47% from three? Right. You have, I know Alan Crabb is not, like, he's shooting only, <laughs> here's what's wild about Alan Crabb. He's shooting 36.8% overall this year. He's shooting 40.5% from three. Well, that's what he can do. He's yeah. a sniper outside. I think he's one of those guys who's... He's the next Wayne Ellington. Yeah, that's a good... But, like, how is he shooting better from three than he is from... Because he just... He he sucks inside the arc. Yeah, at like, 28.9%. Right. So he's one of those guys who consistently thinks he can put the ball on the floor, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't work out for him. Yeah. And I think for him, it's just realizing that, oh, I'm going to be a three-point specialist. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, regardless, he he's one of those guys again that like you just get scared of. You're like, oh crap, he could hit five threes in the first half and swing the complexion of one game. Did you just make a crap crap joke again? <laughs> I sure did. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you're on fire today. Thank My you. God. Thank you. But you, have D'Angelo Russell, 
who is, you know, an all-star and has been playing incredibly well as of late. He's 37% from three. Spencer Didway is coming back soon. Karis yep. LeVert already came back. Yep. You just have a lot of, like, it's the variance that I fear. I mean, they're third in three-point attempts, fourth in made threes, nine in, ninth in three-point percentage this year. Mm-hmm. And that, how do you stop your playmaking? their playmaking? Right. Whereas Indiana... 28th in three-point attempts, 29th in three-pointers, 6th in three-point right. percentage, but they just take a lower volume of them. Yeah. Like, if if I'm in that 3-4-5 mix, I'm desperately trying to get up to three. Cause yeah, to meet Indiana? I mean, ideally, or, like, I, again, Brooklyn might fall out of that sixth spot. Like, right. I know they have a decent lead right now, but... That stretch is brutal. Like, it might be Charlotte, yeah. or it might be Miami, or it might be Detroit, and I feel great about that. But I would yeah. do everything I can to get the hell away from, if I'm Philly, to get the hell away from the 4-5 or five to avoid any possible first-round matchup with Boston. And for the 3-2, that means you dodge the Bucks until the conference finals. Mm-hmm. With all due respect See, to the Raptors. But, right. I mean... I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but the... I think the Bucks are. Yeah, I've been thinking about this. We talked about this previously a couple of times where I was like, "Oh, who's the best team? Like, could it be Toronto? Toronto and Milwaukee are they kind of one A, one B?" So since we recorded the last time, I actually went back and watched a little bit more Milwaukee, and and you know, I was overthinking it. Yeah, I really was. This this is Milwaukee all the way through because you know I, I think it's because you look at them and you think, well, this is unsustainable. Like, Brooke mm-hmm. Lopez is not going to keep on hitting those three balls. Uh, you're not going to see Giannis keep shooting, like, 70-something percent inside the, <laughs> inside the three-point line, whatever it is. Right. And you know what? They are. It is sustainable because the entire system is just break down the middle of the floor, kick it out, and you have, you know, so much space to launch those, those threes. And Giannis, like, regardless of what you do to him, like, you can throw a double team on him. You can throw a triple team on him. He's such a willing and active passer that he will make sure that he'll find the open guy or he will find a guy who can swing it. Like, he's just so smart. And when teams are just, like, putting single coverage on him, he, he owns them. He just dribbles towards the basket and dunks it because right. of his reach and length. Like, he's, it's, it's, it's really hard to, to really understand what the hell it is they're doing when you watch them play because yeah. it's just so effective. And I think the, the one team I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about when it comes to like you know playing uh, Brooklyn is if I'm Milwaukee. Like yeah. it doesn't matter who I'm matched up with. Like yeah. I'm Milwaukee. Yeah. I do whatever I damn well please. Yeah, yeah. I, I I looked this up because earlier in the year they had an even higher margin of victory. Right now they're at nine point seven seven. That's still the thirteenth biggest margin of victory in NBA history. Yeah, like. What they're doing right, and that puts them in in the company. They're barely behind the 2014-15 Warriors, uh, the 2007-8 Celtics, the 1991-92 Bulls, the <laughs> the 2015-16 Warriors were ahead of them. Which, haha, <laughs> but yeah, you know, like they're in historical company right now. Like they are a historically good team at least in terms of they are just beating the hell out of the teams they should and even some of the teams they shouldn't they're just yeah annihilating everyone 
So, can, yeah. can I just read you some stats? Yeah. That are just absolutely insane. So Milwaukee leads the league in two-point field goal percentage. Uh-huh. Obviously because of Giannis. Right. They're at 57.2% from two. God. 57.2. Now, here comes the best part. Their defense is league best in allowing um, the two-point field goal percentage. Mm-hmm. They only allow forty-seven point seven percent, so they're ten percentage points better offensively. That's yeah. that that line is just completely uh, ridiculous. Then they lead the league in rebounding at forty-eight point eight a game. They're mm-hmm. second in blocks. They're second in raw field goal percentage. They're first in defensive field goal percentage, where they only allow forty-three percent shooting. And here's the thing: like I, I think it was Sack Low. It could be wrong. Um, talking about this on the on the last podcast he did, where they argued that you know Milwaukee are actually allowing the most uh, you know three point attempts in the league and, and most makes and whatnot. They're allowing thirty five and a half attempts and and allowing twelve point seven makes. Mm-hmm. You would think that would constitute like a bad defense, but considering they are just disallowing shots at the rim, mm. and they're just removing that whole driving angle. Yeah, that's it's basically fine that they're conceding the shots because like if we go back to the whole idea of Mori Ball, it is three point shots and shots at the rim. Right. Like in terms of us, we have been all of us, you know, on Twitter and whatnot. We've been so preoccupied with the whole three point barrage. <laughs> right. We've kind of forgotten that layups exist. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a target in and of itself, and Milwaukee have just succeeded in just removing that aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is just. Incredible, they're yeah. allowing three, sure, but and literally anywhere else in the court, like no, we're not going to give it to you. Right. So having that defense and having, you know, Giannis, who is basically a video game character by this point, <laughs> right? It's just it's just unstoppable, and I'm I'm not really not sure if Golden State can stop them in the finals over a seven game series. Yeah, I mean, right now Milwaukee is the only team. Top five in both offensive and defensive rating. They're fourth offensive, yeah. number one defensive. They have the best net rating in the league by far, 9.6. Golden State's second at 6.9. The gap between them and Golden State is bigger than the gap between Golden State and number seven, which is Denver. <laughs> well, that's ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, like, huh? I, I think, and we haven't even seen Nico in, on this team yet. That was my next point. Yes, yeah. and rem- rem- like remember, Nico is going to come there. And by the way, Eric Bledsoe. You know, I kn- I know that you and I are not extremely high on Bledsoe in terms of free agency. Right. He's shooting sixty point three percent on twos yeah. as well. Yeah. Like he's been he's been awesome this year. The thing is, he's just not reliable as a shooter, but. It apparently just doesn't matter because he he makes up for it by being overly efficient inside the arc. Right. Also, Malkin Brogdon quietly working on a fifty forty ninety season. Yes, he absolutely is, and like he's 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 scoring like almost sixteen a game on under twelve shot attempts. Yeah. It's gonna be interesting to see like what he gets paid this summer. Oh man, I know he's he's making himself some money this year. Oh, yeah. I know Bulls fans on Twitter have been going crazy lately suggesting that they should throw big money at him. Yeah, someone should just to break this Milwaukee yeah. team up. Because if, they, if they're able to keep this team together, Giannis has no reason to leave. Like, someone should really throw a lot of Like, Middleton, I think, is 
almost definitely getting max this year, just right. again because of the supply demand. Bledsoe is the one guy I could see maybe them not being able to afford moving forward, but Brogdon's at least restricted, so they can, they'll have every opportunity to match whatever he gets. Yeah. So here's a crazy thought: What if Bledsoe, Middleton, and Nico actually end up like going elsewhere? But because of the money that they the Bucks free up, they go out and get like a Kyrie. Mm. <laughs> or Anthony Davis says the Bucks are on his list. Yeah, but they would have to trade for him. That's I know, the problem. I know, or I know or Durant. Yeah. Oh my God! Could you imagine a Durant Giannis front line? That would be gross. Ugh. No, I I I, I like this homegrown Bucks or like sort of homegrown Bucks because I guess <laughs> most of these guys are not homegrown, but. Yeah, I, I, I like get it. I like what they've got going. I don't want them to go. I just no, want I'm, them to retain this core. I'm I'm just saying. Yeah, I you know. know that that if they lose a ton of guys, yeah, because of Giannis, they may have the luxury of pivoting into something that is insanely good. True. Yeah, I mean, and we've made this point before, but the assuming Indiana does not upset anyone in the first round, assuming Brooklyn or whatever. Like, assuming the, the Eastern Conference semifinals are some combination of Toronto, Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly, that is going to have a bigger impact on free agency than probably anything not named Anthony Davis. Right. Because, like, all of those, every one of those teams has a major free agent, at least one, if not, I mean, literally, like, all of Milwaukee's players <laughs> not named Antetokounmpo are free agents. Middleton, Brogdon, Bledsoe, Lopez, Nico. Phillies and got. George Hill, you get if you waive him. Yeah, it's before only one, one million. If yeah, you, yeah, he's guaranteed until July first. So yeah. if you waive him before that, he's only guaranteed for one million dollars for the next season, which means you take an additional seventy million off the cap. Yeah. Look, I I get it. I get what you're saying, but at the same time, you know, I also understand if Milwaukee is kind of like, oh, we we don't want to pay Eric Bledsoe like twenty million a year. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. A max for Middleton is a lot of money. Yeah, like I get it. And if some, if they hear through back channeling or whatever, that there's a superstar going, oh, you know what? I can actually prolong my career considerably by playing next to Giannis. Mm-hmm. Is it worth the gamble? I, I don't know, but it's it's an intriguing subplot because yeah. the the Bucks could theoretically have a ton of money. Well, and I think that's depending on how the playoffs shake out. Like, that's going to determine a lot. Like, if they go to the finals and they give war- the Warriors a real scare, or they, hell, if they win the finals, that encourages them most likely to retain their core and just run it back. If they right. get knocked out in the second round and it isn't all that close, like if, if Philly or Boston just pound them into the ground, <laughs> then, yeah, maybe they say, like, oh, crap. Like, you know, we were this dominant during the regular season. We're basically last year's Raptors. You know, right. we, we or win. if they lose the finals, you get Kevin Durant. Isn't that how it works? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's I mean, look, there there's a lot of interesting subplots basically throughout the next couple months. I I know there's going as we get closer to the playoffs and as the Warriors look unbeatable, it's there's gonna be a lot of Warriors fatigue as usual this year. But like I hope the last seventy five minutes of us blabbering 
you know, encourages you guys to realize, like, look, there's still a lot of stuff to follow, not only for this summer in free agency, which is going to be batty as always, but, like, right. there's a lot of interesting storylines that we should keep an eye on over these next couple months. And I think that for this many, for, for us to be able to talk about this many things, and we didn't even hit on all of them, it just speaks to the, the strength of the league, where... Really, there aren't that many teams where I just don't care about what happens to them over the next two months. Right. I mean, we're talking about a league where, <coughs> my apologies, if you, and you alluded to it earlier, where the Chicago Bulls of all teams are even looking like fun right now. Yeah. I mean, they like if you have the opportunity to go back and watch the, I think, yeah, it was against the Grizzlies, the game where Otto Porter uh, scored 37. Right, right, right. That was actually a legitimately entertaining game. I know. Like I, I was in a DM thread with a couple of Bulls guys, and we were like just sending dots to each other. Like, just are, are the Bulls fun? <laughs> right. I, I I don't know. It they they are doing fun things on the TV screen. Does right. that does that mean they are fun? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Should we continue watching? We probably should. That was that was like, yeah. I I think I don't think anyone really anticipated that. So if this is the league we're looking at right now, where the Kings. And the Bulls, and even hell, the Orlando Magic, are sort of competitive slash fun to watch. Right. Like, enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah. Go nuts in the final 20, 25 games. Go nuts. Just enjoy the league. Exactly. So we will obviously be back throughout the coming weeks to talk about all the biggest stuff. But we wanted to take this opportunity, while there are no games going on, to kind of survey the league and what we're really paying attention to over these next few months. So... Hope you enjoyed today. We'll be back. Games come back Thursday, which, frankly, NBA Twitter needs because after Monday, everyone should just log off until games come back. In the meantime, please do follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Also, we are... Stuff on Stitcher wasn't loading before. It hadn't been loading for a while, but we should be back moving forward on Stitcher. So if you follow us there, there shouldn't be any issues. So uh, Right. And and one plea. One plea from us, because we know that we've moved around a lot. Yeah. Um, like, let's just call it like it is. We've moved around a lot to different hosts and whatnot. It's, it, it's not been because we didn't want to, to give you all a very stable feed. Um, but, but by moving around a lot, we actually... Uh, experienced some some fall off in terms of people asking like where where can we find your pod because like the, my feed hasn't updated in a while uh, that's on us we apologize of course uh, we we thought that we got the hang of it apparently we didn't um, it seems like we we spent the last week trying to work out everything it seems like we should be online everywhere now Brian it does as, seem like as that far way. as I, as far as I know but I think what we're saying is if you follow us on yes. some platform and we aren't loading there our latest episodes are not loading up there or you know message. someone who says that like, right yeah send a message us to us on Twitter DM us just at, at us mention us whatever and we will rectify that as quickly as possible and of course if you have NBA friends out there who are not listening to this podcast, like, tell them to get started, please. And yeah. thank you. Especially Magic fans. Tell them this is the first episode yes. ever of the podcast. We always talk nicely about the Magic and the Kings. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. We are the biggest Homer Magic fans from here on out. Right. Go Markel yeah. Fultz.
All right, Brian. Um, it was fun. I, I'm going to go out and find pro- uh, professional female players and, and, <laughs> and try to beat them in a basketball game. Godspeed. I hope they don't dunk on your head. And I definitely don't hope anyone records it. <laughs> I kind of hope they do because I'll post it immediately to prove a point. <laughs> All right. Later, Mort. Later. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clothes. Clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.